Whatever we need, God, you are. And so this morning we come with thanksgiving in our hearts. We come not because we have to. We come because we want to. We're glad to be in the house of the Lord. We can say like David, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, Father, we found sweet fellowship among the brethren in the house of the Lord. We, we find that unity and that connectivity, oh, God. Oh, God, we find that thankfulness as we look from face to face and see that we've made it through another week, God. We've made it, God. Despite what has came against us, we're still standing. We're still here. We still got our right mind, God. We still love you, oh, God. And, God, we are so glad to be together in the house of the Lord. Today, God, we ask for those that are at home, oh God, and, and in their various workplaces that may be listening right now, God, that you would bless them, God, reminding them, God, that you are here, there, and everywhere, oh God. And God, they are connected right now. We're all connected, God, to you, God. And God, the same blessings that we feel in this house, God, you can send those blessings to wherever they may be. Oh, God, somebody may not be feeling well this morning, God, and we lift them up to you, God. We lift them up to the healer, oh, God, and we ask in the name of Jesus that you would touch that body. Touch it, God, and make it whole, God. Somebody might have a troubled mind this morning listening at the sound of my voice. God, we lift your name above that troubling mind, and we ask that you would regulate that mind and put it at peace, oh, God, that peace that passes all understanding, that peace that in spite of what's going on kind of peace God we thank you right now in the name of Jesus oh God we pray for someone who may be shaky in their faith this morning that some storm has come to try to knock them off but God right now we say faith more faith in the name of Jesus grace more grace in the name of Jesus oh God we pray for a made up mind God in the name of Jesus we pray that they would hear your voice above all other voices your voice of truth would reign right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we pray for every sanctuary and every pastor and congregation this morning that they would feel your presence, God, that they would feel the unity of the body of Christ, oh, God, whatever congregation they may be in that's lifting up the name of Jesus, that they would feel the unity of the body of Christ. Oh, God, today we pray for your word, oh, God, for, God, we know you have a word just for us, God, and, God, we have come ready to receive, ready to hear, Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, most of all, we just say thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for everything you've done for us this week. God, we thank you for health, for strength, oh God. Oh God, we may not have everything that we want, but we know we have everything that we need in you, oh God. And so, Lord, we are thankful, we are thankful, we are thankful, God. And God, if nobody would want to praise you, God, we're determined individually and collectively that we would praise you, God. And if nobody would want to lift up your name, God, we are declaring, God, that we would do it, God. Oh, God, we have our own personal praise. We have our own personal thank you. We got our own personal hallelujah. And nobody's going to have to do it for us, God. We'll do it unto you, God. And we thank you right now in Jesus' name. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. No other name I know. Bless that wonderful name of the Lord. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Amen. We're so glad to be in the house of the Lord. And so glad, as I said in the prayer, so glad to 
to have made it. Amen. And and despite, did you know that the enemy didn't want us to make it? Even though we thought it was Lottie Dong, we just walked out our house and we made it. But the enemy did not want any of us to make it this morning. And I'm just so thankful that God allowed us to go past whatever was trying to stop us to be in the house of the Lord one more time. I'm so grateful. I I, I want to just thank God. Um, I just found out my dad made it back to Washington. Some of y'all did not know he had went to Denver and um, for a funeral that was in Denver of one of his friends. But we're so glad that he made it back and he made it back safely. Amen. And just thanking God for his grace and mercy over all of our lives, of our coming and going. Because we have a lot of people that are coming and going on the airways, the highways. Didn't have to let it be, you guys. So many people have lost their lives in these situations. And so we are so grateful. We're so grateful once again to be in this sanctuary that God has given us. For this season, we're so thankful that God has opened this door, that of a place where we can come and worship together amen god is a good god right he's a good god oh yes he is i'm so glad to see our young people here amen i am so glad (laughs) to see you guys here i'm so glad that you know they don't have to be here this morning they don't somebody say oh yes they do but (laughs) they don't really have to be here this morning amen and i just thank god especially you know our older ones they they could be doing something else and i just thank god for um them being here in the house of lord and coming and i see them worshiping i was looking over there at ww you just blessed me this morning that we had our hands up and she just worshiping and I just was so blessed to see the young people engaged in the Lord for I know that he is their help and he is their strength and so this morning uh we're getting get ready to have communion amen and so uh, we're going to call up our pastor as he administers the sacrament amen amen Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Glad to be here again. Had the opportunity to share, and as Pastor Linda said, the sacrament as we prepare our hearts to to partake of the Lord's Sup. Amen. Hopefully everyone got their elements as they came in so we can maintain our social distancing as everybody been served or got the elements or anybody that's been missed. Okay, all right. Amen. Get them taken care of. So I just want to go over this discourse, amen, as we prepare our hearts. Because truly, you know, the Lord is good. You know, he, as the scripture said, his mercies endure forever. And why am I saying that? Is because even as we, we partake of the Lord's Sup, it's a reminder. I don't know if that's for me going in and out. Check my good i'm on so give me the microphone there because i don't want to it's on and off on and off it's having a little technical difficulty here but as we prepare our hearts amen to partake of the lord's sup it's often a reminder to us that of what he has done for us you know and in going to the cross, you know, shedding his blood, making a way for us, 
Amen. And that, that, that mercy that he showed even then, taking on what we should have taken on and not allowing it to come upon us as we believe in him, it's enduring all the way to today. Amen. That we might be able, you know, realizing that it's a holy sacrament not to be taken lightly. Amen. But we want to be an understanding of what it is that we're doing. It's uh, the Eucharist, as it's called, is for those that are saved, that have given their life unto the Lord. Amen. The believers in Jesus Christ. Amen. That he is the son of God. Amen. And I want to read a couple of passages. Amen. To us. First coming out of John 6, verse 47. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Our fathers, um, excuse me, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Amen. And then in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, the 23rd verse, it says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup, which he had supped. Excuse me. When he had supped, this cup of the New Testament is my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat of this bread and drink of this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Therefore, whosoever eateth this bread or drinketh this cup unworthily is, shall be guilty of the body of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we should judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. In other words, he said, check our hearts. Amen. And when we allow the Lord to judge us through his word, by his spirit, amen, and we, we make the correction. We do those things that we need to do. We won't fall under the judgment that comes on the world that rejects him altogether. Amen. So as we take the time, amen, to partake of the Lord's uh, as the scripture I just read said, let a man examine himself. We can't check something anybody else. We got to check ourselves. Amen. Examine ourselves and remember 
that this is a remembrance. This is remember what he's done for us, his love for us, his compassion for us, his sacrifice for us, that we may be able to receive the salvation that he so desired every person to receive. Amen. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to go ahead and, and receive this. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we prepare our hearts, even in this moment, Lord, to allow your spirit to speak to us. Lord, as we lay aside those things, God, and repent even as needed of those things God, that would separate us from you, God. Lord, we ask you right now to receive, receive our prayer. Receive us as we receive you. So we receive this sacrament, Lord, in honor of who you are, Lord, in recognizing what it is that you've done for us, recognizing what you've made available to each and every one of us. Lord, that it's not your desire that any man should be lost, that any woman should, should perish. Lord, but that we would all come to the knowledge of the truth. Lord, help us to remember what it is that you've done. Amen. So I would ask you to take the film off the top. A little bit tricky. I have mine done already, huh? There we go. And when he when he had prayed, he said, "Take, eat. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me." After he had supped, he took the cup and said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Amen. Thank the Lord. Because we remember all that he's done for us, the love that he had for us. Amen. Then we can continue to receive the sacrament and let it, let it rest in your heart let it rest in your bosom of what God has done, his love, his favor for all of us now before we go into the word man, we have a, a special presentation that we want to share with the body and with those that are online that are joining us amen so we got a, a special presentation, video presentation from one of our beloved, you know, distant members and leaders and pastor, amen, coming from Pastor Fred Burleson all the way from Oklahoma City, amen, so here he is, amen, Pastor B signing off, you know, we thank God for Pastor Fred, still, still pressing on. Amen. And sharing that word, sharing the encouragement, sharing the gospel. Amen. And we were talking to him and this today he was telling us that he was gonna be speaking at one of the churches there that they visit every now and then, an Ethiopian church. So he is speaking at the Ethiopian church today. So I'm looking forward to hearing how everything went there. He said they go there I think at least once a month or so. You know, as they visit. Let's pray as we go into this word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for your goodness. 
Lord, we thank you for the words of encouragement coming from our, our brother and pastor, Fred Burleson, God, that speaks to our heart, God, as we celebrate you today. We celebrate your entry, Lord, knowing what was on the other side of that entry, God, knowing where that week would end up. Lord, but yet you went, Lord, for our good, for our sanctification and our justification, God, you went. Lord, and you, you didn't turn back. You didn't shirk back. You didn't draw, turn away, God. But you, you went knowing that your hour had come. Lord, and we thank you right now that by your spirit, God, that you would move in this place and you would speak to us on this morning, that you would have your way like only you can as we surrender ourselves, as we humble ourselves in your sight and in your presence. Let us hear from you. Let us not assign it to someone else. Lord, but let us hear from you and respond to you and to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Here we are. Amen. Another Palm Sunday celebration. Amen. And as we, we look around, everybody got their palm branches. We had a few of those to, to, to share around. Amen. Just wave them in the air like you really do care. Amen. That's right. We, we care. Amen. Because of what he did for us. Amen. And we thank God because, you know, when they waved those palm branches, you know, they were saying, hey, we come to celebrate. And they laid them before his feet, as we'll see as we look into this scripture. Amen. But, you know, as Jesus made that triumphal entry in, you know, the people came out to meet him. Amen. And they were they were celebrating. But that celebration didn't last too long. Hallelujah. I mean, they knew he knew. Amen. And that it was, as we call it, you know, the crucifixion that was coming, you know, but really it was the, the passion of Christ. Remember the movie? The movie wasn't just the title. That was his passion. That was his desire. That's what he came to do. The suffering of Christ, to suffer for us. Amen. And to, to give us the opportunity that we would be able to receive salvation. Amen. So I thank God. So as we look. Amen. I want to just read to you this morning, beginning in the book of John. Amen. The narrative in John that kind of talks about things leading up to this event. Amen. I'm going to start at verse number one in the 12th chapter. I'm going to just read down and, and expound on, you know, this passage as we, you know, begin to step into his word. It says, then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spinknard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment because it was very expensive, very strong ointment, you know. So she came in there and she did something unto him that kind of set everybody else back, as we see. It says in the fourth verse, it said, Then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. See, take note here. Jesus, Judas is saying one thing, but he had a whole nother agenda. 
I mean, he really didn't care about the poor, as we see in the scripture. He had his own agenda, his own purpose, his own reason for following Jesus. Amen. He had made up in his mind where it was going to get him. It wasn't about the people. It was all about him. And he, he was looking for Jesus to be the one to help him to achieve his own goals. You know, so I'm just throwing that out there because we're going to touch on some things this morning. So, you know, because this motive, amen, that or agenda, as I call it, that Judas had did not fit into the agenda that Jesus had. He had his very own, amen. He knew the purpose for which he had come, but Judas figured, well, I'll, I'll ride his coattail because he's looking only in the natural of what he could gain. And the seventh verse goes on, then said Jesus, let her alone. And they all start talking about what she did with this oil. He said, let her alone. Against the day of my burial has she kept this. The poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. In other words, he said, I'm not going to always be here. You know, and then he goes on to let him know a few things. But that you got the poor. You always got opportunity to serve the poor, but you will not always have the opportunity to serve the Son of Man in the flesh. He said, I will not. You won't have me always. Amen. And she, what did he say? She did this, you know, against the day of my burial. She probably didn't even recognize. She's coming in appreciation for what he had done because he had raised her brother Lazarus from the dead. You know, she's appreciating and she's lavishing this blessing upon him. But Jesus knows, no, this is for a whole other reason. Because when you do the research and you find out that this was the last act of love and kindness, apart from Simon carrying the cross and him being offered water, that Jesus received before his crucifixion. This was the last thing that was done. And even after his crucifixion, he was resurrected before they would have gone in to anoint the body for burial. So she took care of all that in advance, not even realizing what it is that she was doing. But Jesus knew. Amen. And the ninth verse said, much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only. Yeah, they didn't just come for Jesus. But look what it says but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. Now, see, the people weren't just coming because of Jesus. And that's okay. Because, you know, Jesus does things, amen, to get people's attention. You know, but there's still people that are not just coming because of Jesus. Because they're coming to see something else. They're coming to find something else. They're coming to look for something else. Kind of like Judas. I mean, they got their agenda. Yeah, I remember when I was younger, amen, and we would talk, amen. Sometimes we say, man, if you want to find a good wife, go to church. I, 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 am I wrong? You know you, you, you know, you can run around and do all this, but when you really want to find a good wife, you go to the church and find one. Why? They, they wanted a saved woman. They wanted a woman that knew how to treat a husband. They wanted, you know, someone that was, had some, spiritual sense about them you know but see, so we don't always come to church just looking for jesus sometimes amen we see over and over and over again in the in the gospels amen where the people were drawn the crowds were drawn because of the miracles they want to see the miracles they want to what he fed how many would two fish and five what you know so they, they were coming for various different reasons but the fact is that they were coming so just keep on coming Amen. I'll let the Lord have his way. You know, so he said they weren't coming because of just because of Jesus. But then in the 10th verse, he said, but the chief priests consulted that they might put Judas also to death. Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Now, see, now they got, again, here's another agenda. 
See, there's all these different mindsets and agendas operating. Now, the chief priests and the scribes, they were upset because Jesus was drawing the people away from following them and believing them and trusting them. He was upsetting their apple cart. They had been doing their own thing and, you know, leading the people and, and enriching themselves. All the, and Now, here comes Jesus, and the people are not following them any longer because they see someone that is offering life. Someone that is doing things far beyond anything that the scribes and Pharisees could do. Amen. So their mind, you know, let's get rid of the evidence. These people are walking away. They're leaving because he raised. Let's just kill Lazarus too. Let's just destroy him. Let's, let's, let's destroy that testimony, that living testimony of what the Lord had just done. You know, there, all these things are going on all around his entering in. Amen. And when the time came, it's amazing. Amen. When you start you know, begin to look at the mindsets of the people that were around Jesus. Everybody wasn't celebrating Jesus. Amen? Even when it talks about the people that heard that he were coming, they came. They didn't just come from the city. Amen? But it, it lets you know that they came from the villages and the towns and cities far away because they had heard Jesus was coming and they wanted to be there. And we'll see, amen, that even some of the folks that was right there, they, they weren't even so much concerned. Amen. And 12 verse said, but on the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took palm branches, branches of the palm tree, and went forth to greet him and cried, Hosanna. There go them branches again. Where y'all branches at? Get your branches. Amen. I think, imagine you're one of them people. You hear Jesus is coming. I'm excited. I, hey, he's coming. I got my branch. Some of them threw their clothes. It even says in, in some of the synoptic gospels and others, they didn't have the clothes. They took the branches of the palm trees and they laid them down, just kind of like a red carpet entry, you know, into the city because he's, here comes the celebrity. Here comes Jesus. Here comes the man that raises people from the dead. Amen. He, he, he's the son of God. All these things, the, you know, the son of David. I mean, they were celebrating him, the king of the Jews coming in to Jerusalem at the time of the feast. And they were seeing him, you know, so we see. And they, what did it say? They all begin to say, what? Hosanna. Not Hosanna, amen. Now, think about it. Hosanna in the Hebrew, amen, literally means save, we pray. Or in the Aramaic, amen, it, it says to save or help me or save. So it was really a prayer. But we have now, you know, over the years, over the time, amen, have turned it into a, a worship word. You know, we, we, we've turned it into a praise rather than a prayer, amen. But originally, you know, it was probably a cry for help. And the people then knew when they said Hosanna, they knew they needed help. Because as Pastor Fred was just saying on the video, they had been oppressed. They had been going through all these things, amen, dealing with the, the scribes and Pharisees, dealing with the tax collectors, dealing with the, the Roman government. And here come Jesus, the Messiah. Here come the Savior. Here we hear all the other things about him. So we're saying Hosanna. In other words, they were saying, help us. Amen. Save us. Amen. They were looking. Amen. So to them, they knew what they were saying and they understood what they were saying. So I just want to touch on that. Amen. Because we say, Hosanna, it's a cry. Help me. Help us. Save us. Amen. But they went on to say, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. 
And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, and it was written, as it was written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh seating on an ass, I mean, on an ass coat, ass's coat. Amen. I say, y'all say it's an animal, y'all. Don't get, don't get nervous. Amen. We took the word, made it something different, but that's what it is. It's, an, it's, a, it's a donkey. Even that was another name for the donkey. Amen. So therefore, you know, when he say he came fulfilling the prophecy that was spoken, amen, before time. And these things understood, look at verse 16, it says, and these things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. Amen. At this point, Jesus had spent the better part of the last three years walking with his disciples, teaching them, just demonstrating the miracles and sending them out two by two I and mean, training them and raising them up. And as he's coming in and they see all these things going on, amen, there was still a problem. What was the problem? They still did not understand or fully grasp, you know, what it is they were witnessing. They didn't understand what was really going on, although he had told them beforehand in many different occasions the things that would happen when he went into Jerusalem, but they still weren't getting it. And the, the reason that they were having difficulty getting it is because they too were struggling with the, the transition from the spiritual things and the natural things. They were still looking at it in the natural. They were still trying to understand, okay, when is he going to, you know, set up his kingdom and, and how, when are we going to overthrow this Roman government and when is, what he's going to do to establish, you know, his kingdom and, and save all us from all this stuff that we're going through because they were still having a hard time wrapping their mind around what he was talking about was completely spiritual. You know, so he's in this, in this place dealing with them. And I look at this. You know, they're waiting for him to establish something. But he said, these things understood not his disciples at the first. They didn't understand what was really going on. And I, and, and, and I go there because that's what I want to speak to us on that topic this morning is, do you understand? And we got to ask ourselves, do I really understand because as many times as I've looked at this passage, you know, and I've preached from this passage, you know, and, and talked on this passage, when I went back and I was reading, I said, Lord, there's something I'm missing in this passage of Scripture. You know, I was like the Holy Spirit just kept telling me, okay, go look again, go look again. And I said, Lord, okay. And when I read it, I got it. And he said, they didn't understand. And you would think if anybody understood as they were going into Jerusalem, if anybody grasped exactly what was happening, what was going on, it would have been them. His disciples, amen, that had been with him, that's been under his tutelage for three years, not just, you know, coming to, you know, to, to class and going home, but they walked with him, they slept with him, they ate with him, they witnessed the things that he did. They were with him 24 hours a day for this whole time frame, except for when he sent them out two by two, and they still didn't get it. So there's no sense, no reason for us to get upset with people nowadays that don't get it. But we got to keep on trying to help people to get it, and we got to keep striving to get it ourselves. 
Because these men, I mean, I look and I said, wow, they, they were there firsthand. No one had to tell them. You know, they, they wrote some of it down for us to get once they got it. But at that point, they didn't understand. And I, I think, I think, how many of God's people still don't get it? How many of God's people still have a different agenda? They're following Christ because of what they expect he's going to do for them, where he's going to get them, where he's going to take them, how he's going to bless them, amen, when he's going to establish their life for them, amen. And when he doesn't do it, how quickly people get upset when they turn and they walk away, but not realizing that the very Christ that we're following in this particular instance was entering into Jerusalem knowing that he was about to suffer knowing that he was going to be railed upon knowing that he was going to be crucified but yet he didn't turn away from it you know we can go on amen and talk about the, the prayer you know in, in the garden of Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion where he, he prayed because even that flesh his flesh did not want to go to that cross. Did not want to suffer, but yet he said, not my will, but thine will be done. So the example that he's setting before us is saying, if I have to suffer, hey, don't think you're going to get off easy. Don't think you're going to get off without going through something. But if you would just make up your mind, if you would just determine, and see, this is where the understanding gets dropped because I don't get it. I'm saved. I'm living for God. He's a good, good father. We know we sing all the songs. Amen. He, he's the one that, that opens the door. Amen. He, he sends his blessings. Amen. He rolls back the Red Sea. He does all these things. So why do I have to go through something? So why don't he make my life just easy, amen, because he's God and I know he can command it. But he, he showed us an example that even he would suffer, but not for no reason, but that we might be saved. And he's also helping us to understand that we're not suffering for no reason. When we really understand it, when we grasp it, when we get it, amen, we're as the children of God. He said, if you live godly, you won't have no problems. That's not what he said. He said, if you live godly, you shall suffer persecution. He said, you will be hated for my namesake. See, he didn't just come. He didn't come and tell us everything's going to be easy. Amen. He let us know in the Gospels, amen, that were written to demonstrate all the things that he went through, and he demonstrated it himself. That we too, amen, could get strength, amen. And when our hour of need, when our hour of darkness comes, he said, This is when you need to pray. Pray, amen, and yield and surrender to the will of God. See, sometimes we pray, God, move this thing. God, don't make me go through this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through this. But, and all that's well and good because, that's, you know, Jesus was basically saying the same thing in the garden. If it be possible, let this cup pass. But then he said those words, not my will, 
but thy will be done. So I'm looking at this, and, and he's showing us an example that when we come to that hard place, we need to be able to say those same things. Not my will, but thy will be done. See, and that's when we have with the, I mean, the disciples who later became the apostles, they didn't have the understanding. He wants us to get it. Do you understand why he wants us to get it? See, it's understanding why Jesus did what he did, amen, how he did what he did, even the how sometimes escapes us because we feel like he was able to do that because he was God. Now he was able to do it because he was being an example in human flesh operating in human power, although he had the authority of God resting in him. He didn't use that. He did it all operating from the human side, the humanity of himself. Otherwise, it, would, it wouldn't have mattered. If he did it all by the power of God, it wouldn't have been an example to us because I can't do it by the power of God Amen. as, as if I'm God myself, but I can only do it by the power of God working through me. When I yield myself, when I understand, I have to yield and, and give myself over to this situation and trust that God is going to make a way. God is going to open the doors. God is going to give me the strength to go through my troubles, just like he gave him the strength to go to the cross. So we got to get it. But do you understand? Who else amongst us? And I'm talking about the body of Christ at large. Who else amongst us is following Jesus for what they believe they can get out of it naturally? Only focused on the natural, only focused on the carnal, only focused on the here and the now and the gain rather than looking beyond that. I mean, maybe if that's what drew them, they, they, they came for the miracles, they came for the signs, but many of them, when they came, they got converted. They got saved so they can begin to get understanding. I found it funny because as I was doing this lesson, I was talking about understanding. My mind went back to, you know, one of our Bible studies recently online as we were talking about understanding and said, wow, we've been digging into this understanding thing for, you know, a couple of weeks now. So we got to understand what it is that we're standing on. We got to understand, amen, so what it is that Christ has done for us, amen, so when we come to celebrate Palm Sunday and when we come next week for Easter, having a true understanding makes it meaningful, amen, so that it's not about the things that the world has presented to us, but it's about the things that Christ has done for us. And we grab hold of that, amen, so we see the problem, amen, is the disconnect between the natural and the spiritual. You know, because everything is spiritual first. Amen. And we got to understand that. Get back to the spiritual and walk in that. Amen. And then we can walk in the ways that Christ wants us to walk and live like he wants us to live. You know, you know, and he spoke. He does not want us stuck in the natural. No, no, no. See, because that's only going to last so long. But there's too many people that are still there because they can't make the transition to the spiritual. Amen. So we want to get to a place of understanding. You know, you would think that his disciples understood. Just one example, amen. Let's look over, over at Mark, the eighth chapter. You know, you would think that they understood after seeing the miracles of the two fish and the five loaves and the, the, and, and the seven fish, amen. And the, you would think they understood, amen. But see, because Jesus said to them here, Mark, the eighth chapter, the 14th verse, he said, now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. 
You know, they had just got done working. They jumped in the, in the boat, and the men, and they're going on their way. They had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship, which they were with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of the Herod. Now, he's talking spiritual. But look at their response. And they reasoned among themselves, saying that it's because we have no bread. He said, no, I don't, I don't see how they, they made that connection, but they're, they're still thinking natural. You see where they are. And, and when Jesus knew it, he said, said, why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye your hearts yet hardened? Having your eyes, having eyes ye See ye not, and having ears, hear ye not, and do ye not remember when I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand. He said, I demonstrated these things before you. I've shown you that, you know, I control the natural. I can take two fish and five loaves and feed 5,000 men and women besides the women and children. I can feed 5,000 people. And when you factor in the women and children, you probably might be closer to 15,000 people. And I can feed all them with two fish and five loaves of bread. And when you get done, you took up a basket full. Each of you had a basket full, 12 baskets. That should have been enough right there to say, you know what, whatever he says, I got, I'm on it. I mean, because that was more than just a, a natural demonstration. That was a spiritual demonstration helping them to understand that I control the natural. You know, I have whatever it is that you need and what all them needed. And then not only then, we did it again with seven fish and we fed 4,000 people with seven fish. And you still took up seven baskets full. Don't you get it? What is he saying? He's saying, you've seen what I can do. You should understand who I am. But he says, your hearts are still hardened because you're still stuck on your agenda. You're still wondering when I'm going to establish the kingdom in the earth. You're still concerned. I'm telling you, don't, don't get caught up in the leaven. In other words, the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees and of Herod, don't get caught up in those. But see, you think I'm talking about something totally different. You think I'm talking about something natural. When the Lord is dealing with us in his word, by his spirit, we need to slow down and really try to pay attention. As God's people, amen, to rid, so that we don't think that he, he's, he's talking about the natural things. That's not hard for him. He can, he can bless you and he can do all those things with you that, that you think you need, but you don't always need you know, what you think you need. He wants us to get it spiritually to understand, amen, that, that when he's speaking, don't just stop with the carnal. What are you saying to me in my spirit, Lord? What are you trying to get me to understand spiritually? Where are you trying to take me spiritually? Do you understand? That's the question. When he's dealing with us, do we understand? 
you know, the real sacrifice that he made for us when he went into Jerusalem? How many times did he say, up until then, my hour has not yet come? And he'd go on and he'd make more examples and do more miracles and do more teaching. But when it came time for his hour to come, for his passion to take place, for his crucifixion and his suffering, he went headlong. What did, well, I think it was Peter told him, no, you're not going to go into Jerusalem. They're going to kill you? Mm-mm. But he said, get thee behind me. You don't savor the things of God, but the things of man. Because in other words, you're kind of not going to stop me from going through what I need to go through because I'm doing it for you. And see, the more we understand, amen, what he did, the more we can appreciate what he did. Amen. See, so when we, we think about the spiritual things, amen, but yet are stuck on the natural things, we need to shake ourselves. There's nothing natural that God can't do. Nothing. So if he's not doing what you think he ought to do, guess what? He's doing what's best for you. Because we think we know what's best for us, but time has proven that we don't. Everybody has made mistakes thinking we were doing the best thing. Thinking we were right, amen, but we had to turn around, amen. Everyone listening online, whatever the case, we, we always know that. We think we got it until we realize, oop, I just blew that one. Right? You, you thought you had it all figured out, but you didn't see that other circumstance that came once you did what you did. Amen. And how it impacted other people. See, so we need to understand, amen, when he speaks through his word or by his spirit or his prophets, we need to pay attention and say, okay, God, what is it that you're trying to get me to see in the spiritual See, we got this, this, this bantering, this, this going back and forth about the natural. God is not concerned so much about the natural as he is the spiritual because he understands that the natural will perish. And he's trying to keep us from perishing naturally, amen, so that we might be able to spend eternity with him spiritually. But if we don't, if we just stay caught up in the other stuff, amen, we're going to miss out. So I think about all the people who came when they heard, they, they, they showed respect. They heard about the miracles. They heard about Lazarus. They heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, and they showed up. They wanted to see. They wanted to see what was going on. Amen. But we find that the people that were already there, you know, the ones that lived in Jerusalem, who, who were accustomed to the scribes and the Pharisees, amen, not all of them were so excited about the coming of Christ. Because we found out that just over a week later, some of the very ones that were saying Hosanna were saying what? Crucify him. In less than a week, they were saying crucify him. Some of the very same people, amen, that, that, that came along, amen. So we need to realize, amen, that people will flip on you. Huh? Yeah, I've, I've experienced it and I know many of us in here have experienced people will flee. You think everything is good. Next thing you know, you hear from this that someone <laughs> so-and-so was talking about you. They mad at you. They done kicked you to the curb. Hey, Amen. So that, hello. Don't put stock. Hey, Amen. With the market shaky. <laughs> and that's people. Put your trust in God. Stand on his word. Stand in his truths. 
Amen. So we see that, that you see there are many a great crowd that came, amen, to the feast. Amen. And, and they came because they heard Jesus was coming. And, but it's a sad thing to, to say, amen, that the nearer that some are to the, Lord, to the temple of the Lord, the further they are from the Lord of the temple. Why? Because they figure, well, I'm in. I'm saved, you know. And I've witnessed this, you know, over the many years of pastoring and dealing with people with, about their salvation and working and walking with people, amen, and, and, and watching that, that, you know, you see people on the outside that have enough fear and reverence of God just enough to say, I'm not going to go in church and play with God because I know I'm not ready to change. I know I'm not ready to get right, so I'm not even going to darken the doors of the church right now. Because I'm not ready. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. But then you see people in the church that don't have enough love and respect and reverence for God. Amen. To obey his word. Amen. Because they've been around long enough and they become comfortable. Amen. They become apathetic about the things of God. Amen. I'm in church and I love God and nobody can tell me I don't love God. But I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do. I'm just, I'm just saying. Man, 20, 20. This year be 28 years of pastoring. I've seen just about everything and experienced quite a bit of it. And I know, amen, that we got to get our focus in the right place. And seeing what he did for us, how he did it, and understanding why he did it. Not so we can get what we want here, but so that we can get what he wants us to have there in the eternal to get us through beyond but see if we get stuck here and we fight and we devour and we do all the stuff to hold on and to get and to grasp what we can here I hope you enjoy it here because you're missing out on there you see so we got to understand amen I, I, I've seen enough amen to know amen that just because you in church I mean the rest of Linda was touching on it last week amen just because you go to church don't mean you saved Amen. And, and, and you know, as I was sitting there and she said it, I said, well, that makes sense because I can stand in the garage and that don't make me a car. You know, just because where you are doesn't determine who you are. It's what's on the inside that makes the difference. So we got to get to that place. What's on the inside? Do I understand the warfare for my soul? While I'm fighting to satisfy my flesh, do I understand the warfare that's going on for my soul? Jesus went to the cross for your soul. Not to save your flesh, not to get your stuff, not to make you happy, but for your soul. That's why he entered into Jerusalem. Do you understand? He laid down his life for our salvation. He laid down his life that we might be able to get through this thing without this thing destroying us, being planted earth. He laid down his life knowing that if we would just trust him, yet we're going to go through some stuff. But he said what? I will never leave you or forsake you. You can do all things, all things, all things through Christ who strengthens you. If we would just understand that he's there to help us to get our focus off of the natural and zero in on the spiritual. But that takes too much, Pastor David. I want to go here and I want to do this and I want to do that. I want to go to heaven. And be with Jesus. And then I want to leave there and go into the new heaven and the earth. Amen. Where he said we will reign and rule with him. That's where I want to go. How they say, bump the rest of this. 
Huh? It's good, but it's not going to keep me. You can give me everything in this world, but it's not enough to compare to what the scripture has said he has laid up in store for those who love him the call according to he said, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Oh, see, I'm getting a little too passionate here. Amen, but we need to understand. Do you understand? Do you get it? Or has the devil put the blinders over your eyes so thick that you cannot discern truth from the lie? You've been caught up with the very thing that Jesus told them not to. Been caught up with the leaven of this world. And it looks good, sounds good, feels good, but all that don't mean it's good. You know, I, I, I think about the pastries, amen, when we went over to Israel. They look fantastic. I mean, you go to the window and they lay out the breakfast bar and Boy, you said, boy, I'm going to tear up some pastry today. That stuff just looks so good. Oh, all the, the icing and, you know, it's just beautiful. But then when you take it and take a bite, you're like, where's the sugar? Because we addicted to, I'm talking to us Americans, okay? We addicted to sugar. So I didn't even finish the first one because it didn't have enough Sugar. See, what am I saying? Same thing is going on in the world. We addicted to the world. Amen. And, but when, when we come to the gospel, well, it's not tickling my fancy. It's not tickling my ear. It's not, it, it, it don't taste as good. So let me get back to America where there's sugar in the pastries. Help us to understand. The reason they don't put as much sugar in there as we do in the U.S. of A. is because they know it's bad for you. So they make it healthy. And the reason God don't put a bunch of sugar in the scripture is because he knows it's bad for you. But the world is, amen, they, they, they're lavishing us with all the things that sound good, feel good, look good. Look at me. Woo! All about me. And Jesus said, I died for you. Why don't you make a, take a few moments and get to know me? I know you've been hanging around the church. But take a few minutes to get to know me. To understand why I did what I did. To understand how I'm still trying to draw you to myself. To understand that I'm still with you in spirit. If you would just listen to what it is that I have to say. Help us, Lord. Do you understand? See, it's just not the palm branches. Because, see, the palm branches is something that they did at the feast every year. Amen. They would do that, amen, as they prepared for the supper, amen, at the end of the feast, amen, they would all come together and they would wave the branches and they would do all those things, amen. So Jesus come, they just took the palm branches and, hey, well, let's, let's, let's usher him in. And I love even how he came. He came meek and he came lowly. He didn't, he, he only accompanied by his 12 disciples riding on a donkey. 
That's not how you would expect the king to show up. See, and sometimes that's the problem, amen, because he's not showing up like we want him to show up. We don't think he's who he's supposed to be. But the false people can come with all the glitz and the glamour and the glory. That's the real thing. You have been deceived. The world is full of glitz and glamour and glory. But Jesus came, meek and humble, humbling himself so that we, amen, would understand that's how he wants us to be. Amen. In this life, humble yourself. You know, but you you can't tell them. You know, I'm in church. I love God. I would not put him back on the cross. <laughs> you know, they had a custom. Look at John 18. Even 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 Pilate understood this. John 18 verse 39 and 40 said, "But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover." And don't let me start talking about the Passover. But he said at the Passover, will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. He says, now Barabbas was a robber. Barabbas represents the world. All the robbing and insurrecting and all those things, amen, stirring up trouble. That's who Barabbas was. He was a man out of control. Amen. He was a rebel, amen, and all these things. He said he was a robber, but there was a whole lot more things going on with Barabbas than people realize when you begin to look into the truth about him. And in the 19th chapter of John, six and verse 6 and 7, he said, when the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Now, this man wasn't even a Jew. He wasn't even a follower of Christ, but he said, I don't find no fault in him. Amen. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Oh, they found fault because now he's being blasphemed. But he knew who he was. You know, he made himself the son of God. Then we look how, how it said in Matthew, the 27th chapter, verse number 20 said, but the chief scribes and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas to destroy and destroy Jesus. That's a troubling statement why is it troubling because when go back to the beginning he said because but the chief priest and elders persuaded what do you say they persuaded the people who is persuading us to rather have Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Say, what you talking about, Pastor David? I'm looking at it. I mean, they persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor answered and said unto them, whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. 
Mm. It was a choice given to them. Who's making your choice for you? Who's persuading you it's better to have Barabbas who represents the world than to have Jesus who represents eternity. Why, 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 why? He said, which one, which one? I mean, he, I mean in other words, Pilate said, I find no fault in Jesus, but I know Barabbas is a murderer. That's why he's in jail. I know that he's up to no good, but you're saying release him. Remind me of the, the, I don't know what movie was, Release the Kraken. What are you releasing in your life rather than Jesus? Rather than saying, okay, we want Jesus here, but I was Pilate said unto them, what shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? Otherwise, he's saying, you don't want him. What should I do with him? What should I do with him? And we all got to come to that question one day or another. What am I going to do with Christ? They all said unto him, they all said unto him, they all said unto him, is that crazy or what? Not one person. But they were all persuaded by those that didn't want to have nothing to do with Jesus. Who's persuading you to make decisions? Amen. They all said, let him be crucified. And the governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out more, let, saying, let him be crucified. Then Pilate, when Pilate saw that he could prevail, nothing. I mean, in other words, he's trying. Kind of like I feel sometimes. You know, trying to get it across. You need Jesus. He ain't done nothing wrong. You need Jesus. You just don't understand why you got to do this, why you got to go. You need Jesus. No, just give me Barabbas. Give me my way. Give me the natural. No, I just want Barabbas. Mm, mm, mm. but rather that a tumult was made and he took water and washed his hands before the multitude saying I am innocent of the blood of this just man see ye to it that's sad he washed his hands of the matter he said I'm innocent I am not condemning him that's on you. That's on you. This is, this is the ones that lived in the temple, served in the temple. This was the scribes and the Pharisees, amen, and all the people who followed after them, amen, because they wanted their kingdom. They wanted to do things their way, and they knew Jesus was going to change it all. And sometimes that's why we resist Jesus, because if we really let, it, let him in, if we really yield ourselves to him, He's going to change it all. <laughs> He's going to change some things in us that like the person that's out in the world, they just ain't ready to let go, so they didn't come in. But you came in and let him change it. Let him change it. Let him do what it is that he does. He does it better than anybody else. But don't hold on to Barabbas. I looked at that. Hey Amen. One place I was looking at talk about he was a murderer. But this one, he says, it's a robber. He wants to steal. What's the Bible say about Satan? 
He comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And the enemy is stealing things because we don't understand what it's really all about. We don't get it because we haven't made the transition that Christ wants us to make from the natural to the spiritual. So we fight and we hold on to what it is that we do understand. But that is the thing that's going to kill you. You don't have to understand everything about Jesus. That's why they call it a faith walk. That's why it's by faith and believing and trusting. Not based on what you see because what you see is not faith. But we hold on to what we see out there. But it's not real either. <laughs> is it going to perish? With the, I know I got to stop, but my goodness. I, I want us to hear it. Do you understand what it is that he has made available to us? Amen. Do you understand that although we go through trials and, and circumstances and tribulations, that he's right there with us to give us the strength, to give us the tenacity, amen, to give us the outcome, watch what I'm about to say, that he wants for us? Not your outcome. Because your outcome might just get you off track. His outcome might take a little bit more. You know, I, I think about how he told, he told um, Saul when it was time for him to, his conversion, he go down and see the man on the street called Straight, and he'll tell you all the things that you must suffer. Now, now who would accept that calling? <laughs> you know? But see, in other words, Jesus was up front saying, you know what, this is not the easy road, but it's the best road. This is not going to be a hop, skip to Malou, but it's going to get you where you need to be. So while you're going through all those things, I'm right there with you. I'm demonstrating it to you on the cross. I'm taking all your sin, all your pain, all these things that you don't have to suffer the entire thing, but you'll go through a few things, yes, in order that you might be saved. In order. I'm going to read this passage. I'm going to let y'all alone. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. What's that he's talking about? The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. See, he's going to comfort you, but the Holy Spirit is more than just comfort. It's strength. Amen? But we need that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth in with you and shall be in you. He said, let him in. Let's stand. I'm going to stop. I got more there, but I'm going to stop right there. And say, let him in. Do you understand what he did? He knew what he was going to suffer. He knew it was coming his way. But he looked beyond the cross. He, 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 he looked beyond the cross. You know how we say keep the eye, your eye on the prize? What was the prize? We were. 
our salvation. He kept his eye on the purpose. I'm going to the cross that I may save them. That I might reach them. And, and, and I, I'll go so far as to say is that he took a chance on you and me. Because I, I'm not positive that they're going to trust me. I'm not positive that they're going to they're gonna give their life to me. But just on the outside chance, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die for them. So that they got the opportunity. Because I love them and I want them to be redeemed. I want to be in relationship with them. So as he went into Jerusalem, knowing what was befall him in less than a week, he didn't flinch. He didn't turn away. He said, okay, Lord, my hour has come. And the thing I look at, and this is my closing, closing, closing nugget here. In that 16th verse, when it said that the disciples, they didn't understand those things at the first. But the verse went on. Put that 16th verse back up there for me, Ari. I want y'all to see this. I don't want you to think I'm making it up. John 12, 16. There you go, baby. Go on to the next verse. I want you to get down to verse number 16. Come on. You're on number two right there. You getting there? That's nine, 10, 11, 12. I can count. 13, 14. There we go. These things, go to the next one, understood not his disciples at the first. Now look at this. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they those things were written of him and they had done these things unto him. What am I saying? They didn't get it at the first. Other words, we didn't get it first. He had to die. It was said be glorified. It means he was risen from the dead. They didn't really get it until after he died and rose again. He had to die for them in order for them to understand. And not only die, but he had to come back and show himself to them in the flesh for them to understand. Is that what it's going to take for us? Do you have to kill Christ in you? To allow him to be resurrected again? For us to get it? For us to understand? You say, well, I wouldn't kill him. I wouldn't kill him. I'm trying to stop. Don't make him die again. The scripture talks about, you know, crucifying him afresh. You know, because we turn our back on him and we walk away from his word. and It's like putting him back on the cross. You need to die one more time because the first time wasn't enough. I don't understand what you did then, so I'm going to put you back on the cross so we can have a personal encounter here. So don't, 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 don't force him to go back on the cross. Accept the first one. Accept what he did the first time. 
don't crucify him again in your life. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ going triumphantly into Jerusalem, knowing all the while, Lord, that he was going to suffer for each one of us, knowing full well, Lord, that the weight of the sins of the world were about to be placed upon his shoulders, that he was going to shed his blood, that we could make a transition from the natural to the spiritual that we can see greater things beyond what the world has to offer us. Help us, Lord, not to reject it, not to make little of it, but God, to embrace it and say thank you. Thank you for what you've done. I don't understand it all, Lord, but, but I understand that it's your love that drove you, your love that kept you on that cross. Because you could have came down at any time, Lord. But your love, the love kept you on that cross until that body gave up the ghost that you might absorb my sins and absolve me from the punishment thereof. So we thank you, Father. I pray for those under the sound of my voice in this sanctuary and those online that, God, we would strive to understand, to strive to understand the great depth of what it is that you've made available to us, God, that we would not continue to yield ourselves to the natural, the things, the, the distraction, the leaven of the world, but, God, we would understand that you are trying to pull us from all that, that we might arrest in your bosom. When the time comes, Lord, that we could spend eternity with you ruling and reigning in the new heaven, in the new earth, as your word has already spoken. So help us, Lord, to understand the greater picture, the greater purpose, the greater reason that you can take us into our purpose and into our destiny. Because you said in your word, you know the thoughts that you have for us. Thoughts of good and not evil. Thoughts of an expected end. Because you expect us to be with you. So we thank you and we praise you right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray that you've heard the word, received the word, live the word. Amen. Even when it's difficult. Just keep believing. If you don't understand, go back to what I preached a couple of weeks ago. Lord, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Minister Diane. Praise the Lord. As they roll the announcements.